Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's more money with leading economist Steve Moore. Stephen Moore is with us, economist. With more than 30 years experience as an economist and as a leading thinker of government on business, showing deep understanding of the shifts in the global economy. He's leading economist Steve Moore with more money on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's your host, Steve Moore. Good afternoon, folks. This is Steve Moore. This is the More Money Show on WBC Talk Radio. Uh, we've got a full show today, but we will also have some uh, breaking news for you in a few minutes about what is happening with this outrageous raid on Israel. And so we will be giving you periodic updates on what is happening on the ground there. But uh, this is a show about the economy, so I want to start with uh, talking about what Joe Biden said yesterday, taking a victory lap of sorts on Bidenomics and saying that this has been a huge success and that his policies are working for American workers. And I'll be curious to see how many of you agree with that. I'll, I'll try to take some calls at the end of the show. I love to hear from our listeners. I can't make a guarantee, by the way, because of this breaking news. So we're not exactly sure how much time we will have for that. But just uh, for those who want to call in in the second half of the hour, I want to remind people that our more money hotline is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. I want to ask you about whether you think that the dynamics has been a success. And I'm going to try to walk you through in, in, uh, in the next few minutes why I think that is a fantasy and why I think most Americans would strongly disagree with what the, this kind of potion that, uh, that Joe Biden is trying to sell Americans on. So let me give you a few statistics to give you a sense of how much our country has faltered because I've noticed in the last week and talking to a lot of people around the country, uh, and I'm talking about real people with real jobs who do construction work and people who are involved in manufacturing and people who do the tough jobs in America and people who live on Main Street USA, not in the bubble of Washington, that people are incredibly angry and raged with what's going on in Washington. They believe that our government is completely out of control. They believe uh, and maybe you fall into this camp or maybe you don't. So that's what I want to hear from folks about. But I can't tell you how many emails and how many letters and how many phone calls I got and tweets about. And, and I had actually defended Kevin McCarthy and, and people really came after me and said, you know, you're becoming part of the swamp. And Washington is so completely broken that we need new leadership. Now, I do believe we need new leadership in Washington. I, I There's no doubt about it, but I don't think that that change should come from the House. I think Kevin McCarthy was a pretty decent um, Speaker of the House with a very thin Republican majority. But what we do have to do is get rid of Chucky, Chucky Schumer, 
a New Yorker as the uh, Senate majority leader. And we have to get rid of Joe Biden out of the White House because I think Bidenomics has been a catastrophe. So here are some of those statistics that I just uh, referred to. Let's start one of the one, uh, ones that's right in the headlines today, that the mortgage interest rate in the United States uh, nationally has now hit 7.5%, 7.5% on a mortgage. Now, for those of us who grew up in the 70s and early 80s, we may remember that at one point we had a 16% mortgage rate when Jimmy Carter was president. But a 7.5% mortgage rate means that people are going to pay a lot more per month if they want to be, buy a new home. So I want to remind people that if you go back to, let's see, January of uh, 2021, when Biden came to into office and Trump left office, the mortgage rate at that time, ready for this, folks, 2.9%. So we've gone from a 2.9% mortgage rate to a 7.5% mortgage rate. And the Wall Street Journal had a piece today saying that we may be headed to an 8% mortgage rate. That is bad news for anyone who owns a home. If your principal asset is many Americans, many, many tens of millions of Americans, their principal asset is the value of their home. When mortgage rates goes up, it means the value of your home goes down because people have to pay more interest payments and so they can't pay the higher price. I know people who are reducing the listing price of their home because, you know, if you got, let's say, an $800,000 house, I know people have had to reduce their, their price to six fifty dollars or 700000 because people can't afford the 30-year mortgage. Now, let's say that you're going to buy a $500,000 house, which is pretty close to the median, especially in an area like the New York area. It's probably higher than that. But let's say it's a $500,000 house. Let's say you're 28 years old or 32 or 35 years old. You're going to buy your first home. The difference between a 2.9% mortgage rate and a 7.5% mortgage rate means that you know your mortgage rate on a median house home when Trump was president you'd pay somewhere in the neighborhood of $1,800 a month in your mortgage. Now, with these higher interest rates, you're going to pay over $3,000 a month in your mortgage rate. And that, by the way, you're going to do that every month for the next, uh, you know, 360 months, right? If my math is right, it's it's 30 years and there's 12 uh, months of the year. So you're going to pay over the life of the mortgage, $150,000 more for that house. Now that's over 30 years, but still that's a lot of money. So that's not going in the right direction. What about inflation? Is there anybody out there who actually thinks the inflation rate is only 4%? That's the official rate. I think it's a lot higher than that when you look at the necessities that you have to buy, whether it's groceries, whether it's the gas price, which is way up. It was two forty nine a gallon under Trump. Now it's well over $4 a gallon in most markets. Um, you look at one of one of the most interesting ones is the inflation rate, which when Trump left office, people forget under Trump, we had almost no inflation. We had a, a, a 2% average inflation rate in the month that Trump left office. The inflation rate was 1.6%. It went up to 9.2% this time, a little uh, about this time last year. Now it's down to about 4% officially. But as I said, I think the real inflation rate is much higher. For example, those higher uh, mortgage rates and mortgage payments, those aren't factored into the inflation rate. So most people are fa- think that prices are about 20 to 25% higher than they were when Trump 
left office, and they're right. They're right about that. And that's put a real hardship on American workers because there aren't too many people listening to this show that have seen a 20 to 25% increase in their paycheck. And what that means, and I've explained this in weeks past, but I want to make this clear to people, when you're, when the average paycheck has gone up by about 15%, but the inflation rate's gone up by about 20% over that two and a half year period, that means by definition, the average American is 5% worse off, right? Because your, your, um, paycheck is not keeping pace with your cost of living. So what Americans have done, again, I've explained this before, but I want to repeat it. Americans are going more into debt. We have $1.1 trillion of credit card debt right now. There was a report the other day that more and more, 30% of Americans are now having a very tough time paying their credit card debt. And that number is going to increase as the months go by. So there's a lot of financial stress out there on middle-class Americans. Biden keeps saying that this is a middle-class out expansion. No, it's not. The middle-class is shrinking under Joe Biden because of the massive spending. Now, let's talk about that for a minute. Um, we have a national debt that has increased by over $6 trillion. That's $6 trillion with a T. And remember, there, a trillion is a one followed by 12 zeros. So an incomprehensibly incompre- large number that we're borrowing. And we're doing that uh, in such that in the year 2023, the fiscal year that just ended a week or two ago, uh, the amount of borrowing in just that one 12-month period of 2023 was up $2 trillion. That's more than the entire amount of money that the United States government borrowed from the founding of our country in 1776 through the year 2004. When I first came to Washington in 2004, the entire national debt, folks, was $2 trillion. Now we're borrowing $2 trillion a year, every 12 months. And the forecast is that we're just going to keep doing that year after year after year after year. The Biden baseline just says, you know, party on, party on, Wayne. Let's just keep doing it. Let's keep spending more and more money than we have. You know you can't do that. As a business, you know you can't do that as a homeowner or a parent uh, who runs the finances of your home. Why do we think that the government can do this? So our debt, which is now $33 trillion, is headed to 50 to $60 trillion. I'm saying this train is going to go over a cliff. I don't know if it's going to go over a cliff in three weeks or three months or three years or five years, but it will happen. And uh, the American people, people... um listening to the show are smart. <laughs> They're not stupid. They're, I know Hillary Clinton thinks Americans are stupid, but we're not stupid. We understand the basics of finance and economics as much as you can't borrow your way to prosperity. You just can't do it, especially when you're wasting all the money. It'd be one thing if we were investing in our military, our roads, our infrastructure, our pipelines, our energy infrastructure. We're not doing that. All the money is going to social welfare programs and green energy programs that have no payoff at all. And if you look at the situation with energy, this is the last one I wanted to mention to you because I think it's one of the most sinister ones, is that when Trump left office, we were completely energy independent. We were actually producing more energy than we were having to um, import. We weren't importing any energy on that because we were a seller of oil and gas because Trump had a drill, baby, drill uh, strategy and we had the shale revolution. Now that's not happening. Now we're actually having to be 
hostage to OPEC and other countries. And by the way, we've learned from what uh, is happening in Israel right now that the more money that we have to import from the Middle Eastern countries, guess what? This is building up the war machine of uh, some of these countries that are attacking Israel right now, like Iran. And we're also giving money to Russia. I mean, does any of this make any sense to you folks? I mean, really, I don't, it's hard to imagine why any president of the United States would do things to our country that are so anti-American. So that, in my opinion, is why Americans are so frustrated and why it's been true for the last year and a half. Every poll has shown conclusively and consistently that 70% of us, that's two out of three Americans, uh, believe Two things. Number one, that their own financial uh, situation is worse today than when Trump was president. Most people are saying that's their situation financially. They're worse off today than they were three years ago. And they are saying that they believe that the country, the United States, this great uh, nation of ours, is headed in the wrong direction. Because they can, people are not stupid. I know Hillary doesn't believe this. I know, uh, that Joe Biden, uh, thinks that people are too stupid to understand this stuff, but we can. We can do simple math and we understand that when your debts are going up and up and up and up, that is a story that will not have a happy ending. We're going to end up like Argentina. We're going to end up like Bolivia. We're going to end up like Mexico. We're going to end up like Zimbabwe, where we're going to have all these zeros on our bills because we're printing so many dollars to finance these outrageous expansions of government. So I'm a little angry today. I'm a little angry about what's happening in our, our country. And I want to hear from others about whether you share that anger and what you think we should do about it. But we're going to have to take a quick break right now because I want to, uh, we want to give you an update on what is happening in Israel right now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. Bruno, he's your numero uno. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Talk Radio 77, WABC. Breaking news, WABC. 
No, I'm Layden live in the WABC newsroom. It is 116 here, of course, in New York, in Israel. It is 816, seven hours ahead. Uh, it is about 14 hours after a deadly attack took place. Hamas militants carrying off the surprise attack in Israel early Saturday, murdering Israelis in the streets, uh, firing off missiles at apartment buildings. Uh, Israeli soldiers and civilians have been taken hostage. That confirmed by the Israeli government not too long ago. Uh, we are watching uh, the airlines here. Uh, have canceled flights to Israel. Not all of them, but some of them are pulling back on those flights. Uh, the NYPD in New York telling us that they're making some security adjustments amid this Gaza conflict. And this all takes place, the surprise attack on Israel, on what would be the 50th anniversary of the Yom Kippur, uh, Yom Kippur War. Let's get the latest on that from WABC's Anthony Weiner. Tell us about that, Anthony. Well, th- thank you, Noam. The, the similarities are haunting. It was the 50th anniversary of the Yom Kippur War. This, too, was a holiday in Israel, Simchat Torah. And it does seem another similarity is how, um, how caught by surprise the Israelis were. The 1973 war really scarred Israel. I made them pledge never again to be caught by surprise, but this was a very, very different type of attack than people who are probably accustomed to hearing about going on. Just remember, you know this, Noam, that, that Israel is roughly the size of New Jersey, but only a little bit more population than New York City, and these attacks took place sometimes four, five, six miles inside of the border with Gaza. So we have heard stories about, and some videos out there, very troubling videos about children being taken hostage, but the similarities are haunting between the Yom Kippur War. And while this is the big question that people are waiting on now is while Hamas uh, has done this in the south, they're, a, they're, they're Sunni. The Shia in the north, the Hezbollah, so far have held off from joining this battle. That's what everyone is keeping an eye on. And I know you will, too. Yeah, I, I, that would be just a whole nother war if Hezbollah gets involved, no? It would be a very different feel to it. I know a lot of people are pa- are talking about um, Iran in this moment, but actually, that the real the Iran the Iranian client state is in the north of Israel, um, not down in in the south. Not to say that Hamas doesn't get support from anywhere that they can, but that would be a sign that this is a real coordinated effort. If Hezbollah gets in now, Hezbollah has said publicly that if Israel goes into Gaza. Uh, to fight this and occupies, reoccupies Gaza as a way to get this under control. Hezbollah said they're going to jump in, and that obviously would change the tenor of this a great deal. All right, Anthony Weiner is going to be all over this starting at 2 o'clock. So, and, of course, at the top of the hour here, 77 WABC. Again, the numbers we have now, more than 70 dead, 500 in the hospital after these Hamas militant attacks that took place in Israel earlier this morning. Noam Layden, live in the 77 WABC newsroom. American Original. Talk Radio 77 WABC and WABCRadio.com. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Hey, this is Ryan Payne, Bob Payne from Payne Capital Management. Of course, that's P-A-Y-N-E. Every week, coming with the mic. Let me say it again. 
Okay. Hey, it's Ryan Payne, Bob Payne from Payne Capital Management. Of course, that's P-A-Y-N-E. Talking markets, the economy, financial planning. And Bob, what a wild jobs report yesterday. Man, oh man, I don't think anyone expected the jobs report to be that strong. No, the jobs report has been very strong, Ryan. If you look at it, over the last three months, we're adding jobs at 300,000 a month. You know what that screams of? A booming economy. It is, but it just seems like no matter how good the number is, it gets spun very, very negatively. And I don't want to discount the fact that, hey, look, I get it. Inflation's high. Oil prices are high. Food prices are high. But having a strong labor market and adding that many jobs is not a bad thing for the U.S. economy, Bob. Last time I looked. Yeah, but, you know, the market has been very volatile of late, unless you've, you know, been living under a rock. Um, but the stock market has been really responding more to the bond market, right? And interest rates have been going up. And I've got some really good news for you. I need some good news. Tell me. Monday's Columbus Day, and the bond market's closed. So we don't have to worry about <laughs> it until Tuesday. <laughs> Thank you, Christopher Columbus, because I could use a, a break from interest rates going higher. And that was the other big news this week is that we saw uh, the 10-year Treasury go up to over 10, 4.8%, rather. With the 30-year, the long bond, go up to 5%. And there's a lot of fear around, obviously, longer-term inflation, the deficit, which the government's spending way too much money, as you and I know. And that's definitely made investors very jittery on Wall Street, one of the reasons we've had this big sell-off over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I think a lot of... Uh... Investors, a lot of pundits have been scratching their head trying to figure out, you know, why are rates going up all of a sudden? Because if you remember, uh, the 10-year Treasury yield was almost 1% less just two months ago at the end of July. And it's really had a big spike up. So maybe it's because the Federal Reserve is quantitating tightening, right? They're, they're selling bonds instead of buying bonds. There's a, you know, there's a thought that a lot of investors, a lot of bond investors are concerned about the way the government is spending. Um, where that deficit is growing. Um, and meanwhile, based on the jobs number, we've got a phenomenal resilient U.S. economy. So we've got a booming economy. And ultimately, right, those prices and stocks have got to go up because the economy is growing. Earnings are going to go up. Profits go up. Stocks go up. Bob, I like your optimism. Um, and I think that's the one message that's been missing here, even with this stock sell-off. And it's been kind of severe, right? We've seen almost a 10% Correction in stocks, which, by the way, is normal, right? If you look at every 12 months in the stock market, you typically get a 10% sell-off, and that's what we're seeing now. And you got to remember, we had a magnificent move up since last year. So it's not that unnormal to have that. But I think the, the bigger message is earnings are starting to go higher. In fact, the analysts, industry analysts, are telling us that they're going to be double-digit, I'm said again, double-digit earnings growth next year. Well, you know, I'd say, always say, you know, Benjamin Graham, he's a famous economist. He's said for years that in the short term, the markets, all financial markets are voting machines, right? People move and vote with their emotions and they make emotional decisions. But in the long run, it's a weighing machine. And what's it weighing, right? It's weighing profits. It's weighing the growth of the economy. And as the economy grows and if these estimates about earnings are correct, you know, the market's going to be a lot higher a year from now than it is today. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think when it comes to your financial planning, it's the same thing, right? You have to start thinking longer term, big picture, not just what's right in front of you. And I said, you know, we talk about this almost every week. The big mistake we see investors making right now is, I know you feel good sitting in a money market fund, getting 5%. It sounds so smart. And you're just waiting for things to settle down. Well, number one, things don't settle down, Bob. They settle up. <laughs> so 
And meantime, you know, there's a good chance the Federal Reserve could start to lower interest rates next year. So that 5% you're getting on your money market fund could all of a sudden be 3%. Meanwhile, you could be locking in some longer-term bonds for your longer-term financial goals. And to your point, you could be adding money to the market while it's on sale and earnings are going higher. This is the time you want to start to deploy capital. Don't get comfortable sitting in cash. That could be a big problem down the line. You know, Ra, you're, you're wise beyond your years. You know, for years, I've been invested in this market. It's my 50th year, not as an investor, wow. but also as a, you know, a financial advisor. And I've been through these cycles in 84 and 89 and 94 and 2000, 2006, 2018. And we're closer to a top in rates going up, right? In other words, they've went up so fast over the last year or so that we're probably closer to seeing the peak in the five, you know, the five, six month uh, CD or treasury yield. And historically, once it's done going up, every other part of the financial market goes up dramatically, whether it's bonds or stocks or commodities or even junk bonds, which I wouldn't touch with a 10 foot pole. You know, so you're missing the boat if you're not expanding your portfolio right now into stocks, both U.S. and non-U.S. and owning bonds that come due more than 15 minutes from now. Yeah, no, no, it's a great point because we tend to invest based on our, our, what we call recency bias on our most recent experience. And I know it feels like rates just have to keep going higher. Um, oil prices are a great example of that. As of a week ago, I felt like oil prices could never come down. And then all of a sudden, with a snap of a finger, oil went from over $90 a barrel to just over $80 a barrel. So can, conditions can change quickly. And meanwhile, it's usually when you don't anticipate it because everybody was talking about $100 oil last week. They're not talking about that this week. So I think you have to remember that with your financial portfolio, things can change on a dime as well. And interest rates, to your point, Bob, they can drop like a rock. And all of a sudden, you're going to blink and say, whoa, how did I miss that? Well, that's the whole thing, right? Volatility is something that we all have to live with. Without volatility, there's no risk. Without risk, there's no return. And, you know, you have to live with volatility. But you also have to be smart and understand that the biggest risk to all of you right now is not what you own in your bond portfolio. It's not your money market fund. It's not your stock portfolio. It's that hidden insidious tax inflation, which is headline news right now. And inflation has been going up. It's been hitting everything and, and hitting your pocketbook on a daily basis. And even when it comes down, it has been moderating, right? Let's face it. It's a lot lower than it was a year ago, but it's not going to go away. And it's always going to be there. And it's always going to be working against you. And you have to be certain that you've got a plan to overcome inflation because otherwise you're going to fail. Yeah, not a short-term plan, a long-term game plan to beat inflation. And if you're thinking to yourself right now, I need that. I'm sitting with way too much money in cash. I'm concerned about what's going on right now in the economic environment. I need a game plan for my retirement. Here's your shot to do it. We literally keep 10 slots open for the whole show. If you saved over a million dollars for your retirement, Bob and I will run for your now famous total financial master plan. We will do that with no obligation or cost. It's a full holistic review. We literally look at everything. We go as far as building your own personalized financial portal. There's no other firm out there that will do this work up front. We're going to hone in on every financial issue you need to address today. You need that income plan for retirement. How do you take Social Security? There's a lot of ways to take it. One right way for you. How do you draw from your portfolio without running out of money? Well, we put together a full income plan factoring inflation because your costs are going to double over the next 20 years so you don't run out of money. We're going to build that full dynamic income plan. We're going to look at diversification. Markets have been like a yo-yo up and down over the last two years. Has your portfolio done the same? Or are you sitting in cash, paralysis by analysis, trying to figure out what to do? We'll put together a full diversified investment game plan 
tied to your goals, show you how to grow your wealth, but most importantly, protect it over the rest of your life, and we'll look at fees and taxes. Wall Street loves to sell you high-cost, tax-inefficient products, whether it's an annuity, insurance product, structured product, annuity. We're going to go through every investment you own, do a deep dive of every single investment, show you where all the hidden costs are, show you how to reduce that cost, and optimize your portfolio for taxes. It's now what you make. It's what you take. You'll get our full tax playbook. We have 10 slots if you saved over a million dollars for your retirement. Hey, Ryan, that sounds really good. Sign me up. Oh, wait a minute. I already have a plan. But if you don't, if you're one of our next 10 callers and you've saved over a million dollars for your retirement, all you need to do is text or call 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. Or just simply call 844-PLAN-NYC. If you're one of our next 10 callers, you've saved over a million dollars for your retirement. Our team of financial advisors and certified financial planners will help you to create your own unique total financial master plan. Now, there's no cost, no strings attached, but you won't be able to have a plan if you don't text or call 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. Or just simply give us a call at 844-PLAN-NYC, 844-PL. A-N-N-Y-C. So, Bob, you know, at our firm, Payne Capital Management, of course, that's P-A-Y-N-E, we are hyper-focused on financial planning, making sure that people don't outlive their money. And one thing I thought we could talk about today is becoming older and wiser. You know, they say that age is the price of wisdom, or as Bob Dylan once said, I was so much older then, I'm younger than that now, so I'm not sure the best way to say it. But I thought we could talk about how that applies to the financial world. And you just mentioned your 50 years of experience. Um, your perspective certainly changes with your wealth as you get older and closer to retirement. You know, Rye, it's like anything else, you know, but the older you get, the, the more hindsight you have. And everything is obvious in hindsight, right? I mean, it's like I, I win every bet on every football game on Sunday when I make the <laughs> bet on Monday because I'm so brilliant, you know, with my hindsight. So as I look over the years, the one thing that we all need to do is first of all, have an annual physical for your health, right? That's so important. Everybody does it. Everybody should do it. But you know, the other thing you need to do is have that annual financial physical, right? Taxes change. Yeah. The markets change. Your goals change. You need to be in, you need to be, you know, meeting with your financial advisor once a year. And you can't afford, you know, when you're younger, you can afford the volatility. You can afford for your portfolio to go down 40%. You can always make it back because you're in that wealth creation stage. But I think the other thing is, as you get older and you're becoming, you know, more dependent on your portfolio or getting close to being dependent on your portfolio, what we call the wealth distribution stage, your mindset really has to change because then it becomes about consistency, like income that comes in every year and less about if the market's going to go up or down. And I think that's one of the biggest mistakes that you make is you don't make that transition soon enough with your portfolio because, man, oh, man, you get a big sell-off, you get a big market correction and you're retired, and you're not protected, and your strategy's not built correctly, you might have to go back to work. You know, I, that's a real buzzkill. And at least I don't have to go back to work because you won't let me retire. But that's a whole discussion for yeah. another day. But let's face it. When it comes to your own personal financial plan, there's one word, and one word only, Ryan, that you got to remember, and that's enough. Do I have enough to overcome inflation and taxation to live without ever having to consider going back to work, or worry about money ever again. And most of you, I'd say 90% of you that I've met over my 50-year career, 
are taking way more risk than you need to. You already have enough, but nobody's telling you. Yeah, and that's why you have to reverse engineer it, right? You really have to look at, okay, what am I spending every year? What's going to come in in Social Security? What's inflation going to look like? What big expenses do I have? And then you got to go back and say, okay, what does my portfolio need to do? What return do I need to achieve to get there? And a lot of times, to your point, Bob, you might have way too much money in the stock market. And if you don't need that risk and you don't need the insanity of the market going up and down on a daily basis, why drive yourself crazy? You know, build the risk that's right for your portfolio, right for your goals. Don't take unnecessary risk for no reason. That's the sign of a bad retirement plan. That just sounds stressful to me. Yeah, it is, right? It's very stressful because, you know, why not know, right? Um, you know, my, my mom, God bless her, rest her heart and soul, um, she would never go to the doctors because she was afraid she was sick. Well, it turned out she was. And, you know, you can't sit there and worry about your financial plan. you got to make sure that you're set. And most of you are, but you're afraid to take that first step. There's no bad question or no dumb question when it comes to your own financial life. And the thing is, you need to make sure that you're going to grow that portfolio. You're going to grow your income, net of inflation. That's the key. That's why everyone has to do a review of what they're currently doing, just to be sure. Why not be certain? Why not sleep better? We all look better when we yeah. sleep better, right? <laughs> no, but that's a great point, right? There's, it's, it's more stressful not to know than to know. <laughs> At least if you know you have to work maybe an extra year um, or maybe you have to save a little bit more. It's better to know that than to wonder. And I think that takes a lot of stress off the table. I find that all the time. When we run a financial review, it's almost like financial therapy, right? <laughs> You know, people yeah. you just want to know that you're going to be okay. And, you know, one thing I think is important is you throw the kitchen sink at your portfolio and your lifestyle and what can happen. You know, factor in those extra health care costs. Most of us don't do that. You know, we may need some long-term care in retirement. We're going to have medical issues that may cost us a lot. But run that in your financial projections. You know, run worst-case scenarios so the surprises are in the positive. That's the best way to do it. You know, Rye, I spend all day in my office and I have on the financial services tv shows because you know i want to watch you and i want to watch other advisors when they're on and the one thing that i always hear from all these other pundits is what if what if this happens what if that happens well that's what you have to do with your own strategy is run what if right stress tested as you say what if inflation continues higher what if rates go higher what if if i retire earlier what if if i take social security at 66 not at 70 there's so many what if scenarios you can run and you can have it in, you know, hard copy so that you'll know exactly what you have, where you are, where you're going. So you can focus your other time and energies on things like your grandchildren. You know, why do you want to spend time on financial planning and spend it on your grandchildren? Why not be certain? <laughs> run those what if scenarios. Yeah. And if you're thinking to yourself right now, like, this is what I need right now. I need to figure out where I am, what risk I'm taking, enough risk, too much risk. Well, here's a shot to do it. We still have five slots open for the rest of the show. If you saved over a million dollars for your retirement, Bob and I will run for you our now famous total financial master plan. We'll do that with no obligation or cost. It's a full holistic review. We literally look at everything. There's not a firm out there that will do this work up front. We go as far as building you, your own personalized financial portal, give you a bird's eye view of your entire financial life, and we'll just hone in on every financial issue you need to address today, whether it's that income plan for retirement, how do you draw from your portfolio? How do you take Social Security? How do you factor in that your costs are going to double over the next 20 years because of inflation? We'll put together a full dynamic income plan to make sure that you don't run out of money. We're going to look at diversification. Markets have been extremely uncertain and volatile. 
Has your portfolio been like a yo-yo? Or have you been sitting in cash? Paralysis by analysis, trying to figure out what to do. But we'll put together a full investment game plan, tie it to your goals, show you how to grow your wealth, but most importantly, protect it over the rest of your life. And we'll look at fees and taxes. Wall Street loves to sell you those high-cost, tax-inefficient products, whether it's an annuity, mutual fund, brokerage product, insurance product, structured product. We do a deep dive of every investment you own. So you got to reduce the cost and optimize your portfolio for taxes. It's not what you make. It's what you take. You get Bob and I's full tax playbook. We have five slots left if you saved over a million dollars for your retirement. All you need to do is text or call right now at 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. Or just simply call 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844-PLAN-NYC. If you're one of our next four callers, you've saved over a million dollars for your retirement. Our team of financial advisors and certified financial planners will give you your what-if analysis with your financial plan. All you have to do is text or call and be one of our next four callers. That's 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. Or just simply call 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844-PLAN-NYC. Hey, if you want to learn more about myself and Bob and our firm, Payne Capital Management, of course, that's P-A-Y-N-E. Simply go to bbullish.com. That's bbullish.com. Stay tuned. We got more, more money coming your way. W-A-B-C. This is Bob Payne, Chief Investment Strategist here at Payne Capital Management with this week's market update. This week on the Street of Dreams, stocks ended up for the week, breaking a four-week losing streak. The market rallied hard on news that the U.S. economy added 336,000 jobs in September, more than double the level economists had expected, and underscoring just how much strength remains in the labor market, despite the Federal Reserve's campaign to cool things down. Job growth for both July and August was also revised upward, showing a combined 119,000 more jobs have been created than previously reported. The September employment report came in roughly in line with what a soft landing for the labor market would look like. Job growth is robust, unemployment is low, and wages are moderating. That could keep the Federal Reserve from raising interest rates once again in November, even in spite of Friday's eye-popping headline growth figure. Good news on the job front, but the main source of fear recently seems to be that bond yields aren't behaving as one would expect during periods of easing inflation. Evidently, bonds got tired of being called boring and decided to grab some headlines. Yes, yields are up. The 10-year Treasury yield rose from 3.3% in April to 4.8% now, which to me makes sense. With the economy holding up much better than anyone expected, there is little to no reason for recession risk to pull long yields lower. Improving economic conditions also pointed to a deeply inverted yield curve that needed to steepen. What that means is either rates had a fall on the short end or rise on the long end. Well, we got the latter and the 10-year yield is higher, and the yield curve is flatter, and no longer signaling recession. Hey, more good news. The bond market volatility, like stock market volatility, usually ends as quickly as it begins. In our view, this leaves us, the investor, with a cornucopia of investing opportunities. With investment yields at 15-year highs, emergency cash yields at over 5%, an economy that won't quit, disinflation without recession, improving productivity, and rising earnings that could set the stage for a roaring 2020s decade. Volatility can appear painful and is a double-edged sword creating fear and opportunity. 
And as iconic investor Warren Buffett so famously said, be greedy when others are fearful. So don't just sit there. Invest. Hey, my son Ryan and I, we have over 75 years of combined industry experience of building low-cost, tax-efficient, gold-based portfolios. For your free evaluation, all you need to do is text or call 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. Or just simply give us a call at 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844-PLAN-NYC. Hey, this is Bob Payne. I'm the Chief Investment Strategist of Payne Capital Management. It's more money with leading economist Steve Moore. Now, here's your host, Steve Moore. Welcome back, folks. This is the More Money Show. Thanks for tuning in this uh, Saturday afternoon. Now, I've arranged one of my favorite um, guests on this show, and I know a favorite guest of our uh, normal uh, uh, loyal audience. And I'm talking about David Bonson, who is... Uh, just uh, an investor extraordinaire. He knows so much about what is happening with the economy. I think he's one of the best in terms of predicting what's happening with our financial markets. And I couldn't think of a better time to have David Bonson on than now because I'm so befuddled by what's happening with our economy and what's, you know, we see so many things going wrong and then we get a good jobs report. So anyway, David, thanks so much for, for joining us this afternoon. Well, thanks for the kind words, Steve. And I always enjoy being with you. So David's book, by the way, uh, this is just a must read. Uh, I really strongly recommend it. It's called There's No Free Lunch, and it's uh, 250 Economic Truths. And what I love about this book, and I always brag about it because um, it's one of those books, I don't have time to spend an hour or two hours reading a novel. I mean, I wish I could. Maybe when I retire, I can. But sometimes when I go to bed at night or I just have free 15 or 20 minutes, I just want to pick up a book and get some wisdom. And, and uh, David, David Bonson's book, There's No Free Lunch is perfect. You can just pick it up, just turn to any page because it's just 250 different uh, sayings or stories about the economy that are just filled with wisdom. So David, I'm confused about the economy again. <laughs> we got a really good jobs report. You've been right on the economy. You've been pretty bullish on the economy. Where do you see the things standing right now? Well, I think that we're just in a, a very uh, pickled situation the Fed has created. I want to point something out that everyone's yeah. talking about. The Fed funds rate is at five and a quarter to five and a half percent. And will yeah. they or won't they raise again? And yesterday, the jobs report comes out, 360,000, yeah. much, much higher than expected. Bond yields shoot up yet again. And obviously, yep. bond yields are going higher as an anti-recessionary uh, forecast. And uh, the market dropped over 200 points because of the Phillips uh -huh. curve mentality embedded right. in markets that anything right. good for jobs must be bad. By the way, David, can you, can you explain to our listeners what the Phillips curve means? Because I'm with you on this. I think it's the, one of the dumbest ideas economists have ever come up with, but it's so standard It's at the Federal Reserve Board. So what, what is the Phillips curve? It's an economic heresy that teaches that employment and inflation are permanently at odds with one another, that if you have mm -hmm. low unemployment, you risk high inflation. And, and if you have high unemployment, then that could push down uh, inflation as opposed to the notion that in a free market unimpeded by mm -hmm. excessive interventions from either the Fed or the federal right. government, that you actually can have both stable money prices 
and healthy economic growth, low unemployment, good wages, et cetera. And so we already know this isn't controversial. This isn't uh, theoretical. We know from the testimony of history that you can have yeah. a benign environment in both inflation and employment. Yes. But we persist with this absurdity where the Fed thinks we have to destroy jobs in order to stabilize prices. And it isn't true. By, by the way, David, just to interrupt for again for a second, you know, I had the privilege of working for Ronald Reagan. and I had the privilege of working for Donald Trump. And in both of those instances, and correct me if I'm wrong, especially in the Reagan years, we brought inflation way down. Remember, we took the inflation rate from 12 percent down to about three and a half percent in two years. And yet we had a high expansion recovery in terms of jobs. And the same thing happened under Trump. We had full employment and low inflation. So I don't even understand how people still believe in this mythology of this Phillips curve. Well, and even in the 70s, um, when everything was bad, you had both bad at once as well. Right. Um, right. Okay. So, so the notion that, well, as long as we get high unemployment, it'll bring inflation down, it didn't. But again, all of this is embedded in a misunderstanding yeah. of what inflation is, is that there are some people on the right who say it's too much money. And they miss the second half of Milton Friedman's famous line, which is in my book, as you know. It's too much goods. money chasing too few goods. And I would right. add and services because I think yep. obviously Milton Friedman understood an sure. economy is made up of goods and services. So if you have less workers, you have less production of goods and services. Right. And this is what happened in the Reagan years. And by the way, the story of lower unemployment following um, a decline in inflation was not just a story of those, what did Bob Bartley call it, the seven fat years. It wasn't just the yep. Reagan years. It, yep. it created a 25-year period of very moderated inflation yes. along, yep. along with uh, economic growth that only had um, an interruption uh, one time that was really quite benign and was related to a bubble that had formed and in, in back in savings and loan, and, which is always what it is, is that you get an asset bubble out of bad monetary policy. But, but, but see, the thing right now is that our Fed funds rate may be five and a quarter, but the mm -hmm. Fed themselves, I didn't make this up, and other economists at Committee to Unleash Prosperity didn't make this up. It is a Federal Reserve Bank of San Francisco metric called the proxy funds rate. Is seven. It's called, what is it called again? The proxy the federal proxy, funds rate? The proxy funds rate. And all it is okay. is 12 different metrics of real life, treasury, mortgage rates, credit right. spreads, that are trying right. to indicate how tight monetary conditions really right. are apart from right. their policy rate. So there's 150 extra basis points, one and a half percent of extra monetary tightening going on. The financial markets have done the tightening for the Fed. They do not need to raise rates again. Yeah. And if they stay up high, there is already such significant tightening going on anyways. And what just blows my mind is that the Fed yeah. could be unaware of this. So I, I agree with you. I think that it would be absurd and, and very harmful to the economy for the Fed to raise rates again. And I don't really understand as an economist how it is that raising rates is supposed to cure inflation anyways. I mean, it, it doesn't seem like a very useful tool to me. Uh, and, and you, you know, look, when you look at so many of these measures of you know, the inflation rate, they're pretty, you know, the, the tips rate spread is only 
what, 2% now or something like that, which is, you know, the, the market's forecast on inflation. So, uh, I don't know. I, I'm very frustrated by all of this and I'm glad that I wish you were running the Federal Reserve Board. Now, if you were advising, uh, Chairman Powell, you would tell him to do what? Well, of course, the question always uh, has to be clarified if you mean like really big picture, theoretical, philosophical. Do we really get to kind of redesign what the Fed is there to do or just in the moment with their particular objectives they have now? Well, let's let's start with let's start let's start with short term and then give us the long term. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think short term, there's absolutely no question that he ought to not only stop but he needs to tell the market they're going to stop, okay, right. because that's, that's right. the issue is that they're using forward guidance as a policy tool. So it's distortive, and it leads yep. to other people front-running the Fed. It's great okay. for hedge funds that can try to come in and make a guess on what the Fed will do, but it does not allow the economy to breathe on its own. And guys like you and me that are laissez-faire, classical, supply-side mm-hmm. school economists, all yep. I want is the economy to breathe on its own. And that does not mean right. everything will always go well. There'll be ups and downs. There'll be risk and reward. But that's what I want free of intervention. What I would say so is under that, we need to get under out of that, the way. Yeah, under that uh, scenario, because, you know, my buddy Art Laffer and Larry Kudlow, and I know your buddies with them as well, uh, that, um, you know, they say we need a stable dollar. You know, what we want from our monetary policy is dollar that remains stable in terms of its purchasing power. So, Will this scenario that you're laying out, will that provide a more stable dollar? If we ended up with a rules-based approach that the cost of capital was not used to manipulate asset prices, that's Mm -hmm. what the Fed does now, is they don't really think that people are going to buy or sell less bananas based on the Fed funds rate. What they know is that they're trying to control the stock market and real estate markets. Mm. And and when the economy was really bad, they'd go down to a 0% rate to try to boost risk assets. And and it's funny, we're celebrating the 25-year anniversary right now from 1998 of when with very low unemployment, very high GDP mm. growth, very yeah. high wages. And, and a booming stock market. And then because that booming stock market was interrupted by the Russian ruble crisis and the implosion of long-term capital management hedge fund, Greenspan cut rates totally unexpectedly by 75 basis points. One of those was a 50 basis point cut uh, in the middle of a a cycle. There wasn't even a Fed meeting. Mm -hmm. They did it out of nowhere. And the market rallied uh, 20%, okay, in like five weeks. And, And they wrote a white paper, Steve saying that they believed the wealth effect added 1% to GDP growth. And what the wealth effect was is people feel richer when their 401ks are going up and they go out and spend more money. It has never, ever been a dumber thing said than this notion of a wealth effect that you can somehow control economic growth by making people feel wealthier. You know how people feel wealthier? By getting economic growth. Okay, they have the chicken and egg exactly backwards. You don't get economic growth by making people feel wealthier. You make people wealthier by getting economic growth, which cannot be manipulated. And that we've been dealing with this boom and bust cycle for 25 years. It's more money with leading economist Steve Moore. Now, here's your host, Steve Moore. 
Welcome back, folks. Steve Moore here with the More Money Show, WABC. Do we still have David Bonson with us? Still with you, Steve. So, David, David, sorry about the interruption there. So I I wanted to, um, if I could, shift gears with you a little bit, um, because I know you are a great economist, but you and I have also, you're a man of faith and a man of religion. And um, I'm very upset. I don't, are you Catholic by any means? David? Uh, I'm not Catholic. I'm I'm Christian, but I consider Catholics and Protestants of the same faith with a different tradition. So the reason I ask this is because I am a Catholic and I'm extraordinarily upset about this uh, encyclical letter by Pope John, uh, I'm sorry, by Pope Francis, uh, which is basically saying that, you know, the problems of the world are being caused by uh, Western countries like the United States for being too prosperous and uh, using all the resources in the economy and, and, and causing climate change. And I just find this to be highly disturbing because as a Christian, we want everyone to be as well off as possible. We want to lift people out of poverty. And I just wonder if you have any reaction to this, because we have a Pope now who's brought into this kind of radical green agenda uh, that really would keep people poor. And I just wonder if you have any thoughts about that. Well, I mean, you can imagine I'm just as upset about it as you, although I guess, Steve, not meaning this to be a a jab, but as Protestants, we never pretended we thought that anyone could be infallible to begin with. (laughs) So, (laughs) (laughs) What you say, my friend? Great point. Well, I mean, I I think that this... I was going to say, I think that this pope has proved that the, the pope is not infallible. And what really, by the way, bothers me, David, and I think you and I think pretty much alike on this, is, you know, one of my heroes of the 20th century was Pope John Paul II, who understood that, the, that uh, communism was a, was a system and socialism that, depri- that was inhumane uh, and anti-Christian. Uh, and now we have a pope that seems to be a, kind of a socialist. And He's pretending like these policies are going to advance human uh, kind when I think they will make people more deprived and miserable. Well, and what's really disappointing is that history's already spoken on it. There was a little movement in Catholic theology that was very um, uh, extreme and, and aberrant, and Pope John Paul, as you point out, was against it, and Pope Benedict was against it, and it was called right. liberation, theo- liberation yes. theology. It became very big in the 80s in South America, and it was really a Marxian movement, and I think that uh, that Pope Francis is heavily influenced by liberation theology and the general class warfare view. The class warfare view that private property is somehow an evil, intrinsic Sin. And I would commend people to some of the great encyclicals. The, the, the Pope John Paul II, it's funny, I'm a Protestant who just wrote a book on a Christian theology of work, and I quote Pope mm-hmm. John Paul II, I quote, I quote him more than I quote many Protestants, because he was so outstanding on the subject. And I think, unfortunately, this really extreme ideology of Pope Francis is doing a lot of damage. And it is also, as you pointed out, not merely so confused about economics, but the environmental radicalism of it is just frightening. Well, it's shaken my Catholic faith, frankly, because you have a Vatican now in um, in Rome that has really been infiltrated by leftists, and they are completely wrongheaded when it comes to how to make people more prosperous and better off, and also just in terms of a kind of anti 
human ideology. You know, remember, it was the extreme radical left environmentalists who, back in the 60s and 70s, said we have overpopulation, so we have to have, you know, forced abortion policies and one-child policies and even forced sterilization policies, which were completely anti-Christian. You know, uh, it was once said that, um, you know, uh, environmentalists don't worship the creator, they worship the created, which is kind of a pagan religion. And and so you can tell I'm very upset about this, and that's why I wanted to ask you about it. But do you have any more thoughts about this? Yeah, the only, the only thing I want to say is encourage you and, of course, our other friends listening of the Christian and Catholic uh, traditions that, that yeah. it, it, it isn't about our faith. Our faith is rock solid. What we believe in uh-huh. ideologically and theologically has not changed. It's this pope who's gone wrong, not the, not the, <laughs> true, teachings, not the true teachings of the church. Thank you. That's a great message. So we've just got a few minutes left with my great friend, David Bonson. And David, I know you're a busy man, and and, uh, thank you for taking some time on a Saturday afternoon. So overall, what is your uh, advice to investors in terms of dealing with this herky-jerky economy? And I'm having a hard time figuring out where things are going. What, What do you advise investors at this point? It's imperative that investors not believe that they're going to be able to do something that obviously the Fed can't even do, which is predict exactly what bond yields on the long end of the curve will do or what oil prices will do. Mm-hmm. And that's the other ver- the very underrated thing. Yeah. If I were to say, we basically right now, Steve, have a war going on. We, we have one country that it could be the marginal producer of oil, that's us, that has decided to surrender that role. We have another mm-hmm. country that is the marginal producer, OPEC+. Plus. Um, that is saying that they will not allow the American policy to dictate what happens. And you could end up with over $100 oil prices that puts us right back in recessionary talk. And so I just think you have to be very aware of the instability. You have to have something in your portfolio that benefits from high oil prices and benefits from low oil prices because you could get either one based on where these things go. And I don't just mean trading and two- and three-week volatility. I mean, we could be in a period of prolonged $90 oil or prolonged $50 yeah. oil. Both of those things would be bad for the economy. Yeah, I, I agree with you totally. And I think that, you know, hedging against these variable prices on oil is really important. I do think, by the way, that if we could get Trump back in the White House, I mean, he was so pro-drilling, we wouldn't be so dependent on these countries like OPEC. And that seems like an obvious point. Well, David, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks, Steve. One minute left. Just real quickly, I want to point out, though, you don't have to hedge with uh, oil energy investment. You can make money with it. You can make money. These are dividend-paying companies that are profitable. Not only do they hedge against oil, but they play offense, too. And the other pieces, whether we have President Trump or another Republican or a Democrat,